0: I want to talk to you, we talked last week about, you know, my uh, my gift. My Christmas gift to the Lord is, is not money, it's not my talent, not even my time, it's me. You know, if God gets you, he gets your wallet, amen. If God gets you, he gets your time, he gets your talent. So don't worry about giving God things, he just wants you, he just wants your heart. So that's our best Christmas gift. But now I want to talk about my reasonable service from Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I'll just stop there and just talk about. What does it mean to live as a servant of God? In, in verse 1, it just, Paul is pleading with Christians that they would present their bodies for service. That they would say, here am I, use me. And I have to tell you, I love serving the Lord. I love being born again. As I told you last week, I wish I could get saved again and again and again because I enjoyed it so much. And I just love being saved Now, you only get saved once, so don't worry about it. But I love being a pastor. I I love being a husband. I love being a dad. I love being a grandfather. All of those things are great. But you see, all of those are are outer layers of a great thing that that God has, has called me to be, and that is a servant of God. I love being a bona fide servant of the Most High God. And it's really, as we read there in Romans 12, it says... Uh, it is our reasonable service. It's not unreasonable when God asks us to live for him. He's God. Amen. <laughs> I mean, that means he's the boss. He made us. He purchased us. His way with us is perfect. He's never made a mistake yet. So when he has his way in your life, it's only going to be good. It may be hard. It may be distressing and, and, and troublesome, but I'm telling you, it is always perfect. It's just right. It's exactly part of a bigger plan. It's always perfect. And, and it really, I think it's crazy to think that you could live better than following the Lord. I really think by following the world, I, I, I can't imagine anybody really believing they can do better than following the Lord Jesus. It's reasonable. Our greatest uh, uh, purpose Is to serve the Lord Deuteronomy. You're going to leave Romans, we got some scriptures to look at this morning. And Deuteronomy chapter 10. So in the Old Testament, there you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then the the last of the first five books is Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12. I want you to notice four things. Just jump out to number one. You're going to see the words fear God. You're going to see a phrase called walk in his way of living or or, live his way. You're going to see a command to love God. What a great commandment. And then you're going to see a phrase that says serve the Lord with all your heart and soul. Look at Deuteronomy 10, 12. It says, and now Israel. What does the Lord thy God require of thee? What does he require of us? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and here's your words you ought to underline, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. That is a repeated request and really a commandment throughout the Old Testament to love God, to walk with God, to obey God, to to serve him. why? take your Bible turn now to first Samuel chapter 12. Go to the right, you're only going a bit after Joshua judges Ruth and then first Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23. First Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23. Why? Why would I consider? why would you even talk about serving God? I'm busy working for my boss, I'm working for my family, I'm working. I'm working for myself. I'm working for my business. I'm I'm working for my retirement. All of those things you may be busy doing, but I'm going to tell you, you need to be serving the Lord. Why? Look at First Samuel chapter twelve and verse twenty-three. That's not it. First Samuel twenty-four. Thank you. (laughs) I wrote down twenty-three. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth. With all your heart, that's your passion, with all your with your all your your emotions, don't just serve God like a robot. Tesla can do that. Serve God with all your heart. Why? For consider how great things he had done for you. Hasn't God done anything good for you? I mean, if you're just saved, I think that's enough. The fact that he saved you from the pit of hell, the fact that he saved you from the wrath to God, wrath to come, that is Something worth shouting about. He gave us our families. You say, well, I'm married yet. We well, gave you your dad and your mom. He gave you your brothers and sisters, your aunt and your uncles. He gave you your families. He gave you your health. He blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ when you got saved. You just don't know how great it's going to be. Listen, as a Christian, it only gets gooder and gooder. Because you have all the blessings in Christ you don't you what the world offers is temporary and it and it dies at the grave. I have treasures in heaven that will last forever. And that's what God has done for me. He's given us our sanity. If you have your sanity, it's the gift of God. Amen. He gave us his perfect word in a book that we can read in our own language, amen. He gave us a purpose and a reason to live every day. He gives us victory over every sin and temptation that we battle with. What has God done for us? I think he's done a lot of things. So what we need to do is we need to look into 2024 and decide that we're going to be faithful serving the Lord God. What does it mean to serve the Lord? Well, when we talk about a servant, a servant is someone who does the will of someone else. If you ever got hired at a restaurant or if you were ever uh, hired to be a steward or a stewardess, a waiter, a waitress. If you were ever hired to wait on tables, you know what your job is? To do the will of other people. They, they will tell you what they want, and you're to go get it for them, amen? That is your job. That is what a servant does. And by the way, our government was initially set up, it's not operating this way anymore, but it was initially set up so that our leaders would serve us and do what we said needed to be done. That's why we still call them ministers. You ever notice that? But They don't serve us anymore. They serve their own interests. We know that. We know that they serve their own political parties. and They serve their power bases. But they were set up to serve. Amen? And so we were saved to serve. I'll make that mention in a moment. To serve the Lord, let's go a little bit deeper here, means to do not just somebody else's will. Maybe you get up in the middle of the night and your child says, I'm thirsty. All right, so you go get them some water. You're serving your child, amen. But you can spend all your life serving people and serving organizations and serving yourself and you miss serving the Lord. To serve the Lord is to do his will instead of our own. It is not a vocation, by the way. Some people say, oh, so-and-so, they're serving the Lord as if, People serve the Lord and there are other people who don't. That doesn't make any sense at all. There are not supposed to be some Christians who are serving the Lord and there are other Christians who don't. Every believer is supposed to be a servant of their Savior. That's the reality of the Christian life. It is a way of living that makes everything you and I do moment by moment for the glory of God and his honor. Are you a chemist? Serve the Lord at your pharmacy as you serve people. Are you an engineer? Design and figure out problems for the glory of God, not just for your employer. Do it so God gets glory. Are you a mom? Serve your family for the honor and glory of God. Raise your kids to praise God and worship God and glorify God. That is serving the Lord. If you're just serving your children, you will create brats. Amen? But if you Serve God as you serve your children. They'll get the idea. They're not the center of the universe, amen? (laughs) Are you a dad? Gentlemen, we need to serve the Lord at work. We don't switch off when we go out of here on Sunday morning and then for the rest of the week live like the devil and live like we want to. We serve the Lord at work. We honor the Lord at work. We honor him at home. We make him the Lord of our life, not sports, not the news. Not your plans not the past nothing matters except who is Jesus in my life by the way let me say something here worship is not passive it's not something you do like a spectator now right now you're spectating I'm doing all the work right now I know but but serving the Lord is not just sitting there watching someone else do something right now we're kind of in a in a training time we're not we're in a a time where I'm teaching and I'm feeding the flock. But when we finish and when you have opportunity, you should instantly say, how can I serve the Lord today? How can I do it? Why would I leave it to the pastor? Why would I leave it to just a few to be doing something? Don't be a spectator only. It's wonderful to sit in here preaching. It's wonderful to listen to those children sing. But think about the fact that somebody had to get out of their seat Come up here, learn the words, and sing. That's serving, amen? That's serving. Serve worship is not for spectators. You can sit on a boat and flow down the river all day long. That's not Christianity. Christianity means get an oar, go against the tide, get somewhere, rescue somebody. Because honestly, what is true here is that faith always produces actions. i you to know, find out where I left off. Anyway, faith always produces actions, and it causes us to serve God with fervor. Um, the, um, we serve because Jesus is Lord. I actually want to, I, I actually, I don't, uh, you ever heard the story of the, the man who was got up on a Sunday morning. and He pulled the covers over his head. His wife says, "Why aren't you up? We got to get to church." And the man says, "I don't want to go to church. Everybody hates me at that church. Nobody likes me there. Coffee tastes bad. Never get any scones. They're all eaten before I get there." Come on, get out of bed. You got to go to church. We're all going to church as a family. And he says, well, "I don't want to go to church." You have to go to church. Why do I have to go to the church? Because you're the pastor. you got to understand, it, it, <laughs> I don't get up on Sunday and say, oh, drat, Nita, i got to go to church. Now, there's something that overwhelms me, that gets me motivated, and it's, it's two big things. I'm going to talk about one of them here that just gets me This says, I can't wait to be at church. I can't wait to get behind here and try to help somebody, try to feed somebody, try to open the eyes and the heart of somebody. I want to do it because he's my Lord, and I love him. This is not a duty. It's not a vocation. It is my love life. It is, it is what I do because he owns me, as I'll say more in a moment. Take your Bible. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And if you ever get to sit behind a piano and play for um, a special or to play for our congregational singer, you get to play a flute. You get to play the flute. If you ever get to do that, or if you ever get to sing a special, do it because he wants you to. Because you want to please him. If anybody and everybody, all of us sit there and go, boy, you're really off key. That wouldn't matter to you because you're trying to be pleasing unto him. Does that make sense? Here's Ephesians. I'm sorry, yeah, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Philippians chapter 2. We need to get a mind like Christ had. Ephesians chapter 2. I said Ephesians. Philippians chapter 2. Start down to verse 5, just for time. Let this mind, this way of thinking, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it a robbery to be equal with God. He never stole from God by claiming to be equal with God. Verse 7, but made himself... Of low reputation, is that what it says? Of no reputation. <laughs> if you looked and saw a crowd and Jesus was in the crowd, he would have looked like everybody else. He had no airs about him. He didn't walk around saying, "Excuse me, excuse me. I'm important. <laughs> he took he took on, look at it, he says he had no reputation. and he took upon him the form of a what? Circle that next word. A servant and was made in the likeness of us, of men, being found in fashion as a man. Oh, he didn't humble himself enough yet. He humbled himself more by being obedient all the way to what? And not just dying of old age. He was obedient unto the cross, even the death of the cross. Wherefore? Paul concludes that God also by the resurrection have highly exalted him and given him a name which is of every name. All the world hates that name, mocks that name, uses that name as a curse word. You ever hear the name Jesus on TV? You ever hear the name Jesus out on the public? It's not a worship name, is it? But You know, when it comes out of my mouth, and that's why, Christian, you better make sure your mouth is not following the world's mouth. Because when Jesus comes out of my mouth, it's a worship. It is a high name. It's a name given above above every name that at the name of Jesus, how many knees should bow? Every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and even the devils under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ not will be, but is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's earned the right to be called Lord Jesus. We can call him Jesus, that's fine, but he has a proper title, the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that make of us? Servants. And that's enough. That's not bad, folks. Get a mind like Jesus. He humbled himself to the life of a servant, gave his life for unworthy people. God exalted and honored him, and he has earned the right to be in charge of my life now. He is my Lord. So here's my point. Been trying to get to. We were saved. If you're saved, I was saved June 15th, 1980. And since I've been saved, I have been called to serve. Not to be a pastor. You know what a pastor's job is? To serve. That's it. Yeah, I make decisions. Yeah, I try to lead. But you know what my main job is? To serve, minister, be there, to help, to encourage to, to, to carry when things aren't, are not weak and when things are falling apart. The greatest job I have is to serve. We were saved. Go to Romans chapter 6 to serve. Romans chapter 6. Romans 6 and verse 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, when he died, that the body of sin that you're stuck in right now might one day be destroyed, that henceforth we should not... What's the next word? Do you see that thing? All right, so to serve means to do the will of somebody else. And I no longer do the will of my flesh. That we henceforth no longer serve sin. Go down to chapter 7 and verse 6, Romans 7 and verse 6. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, talking about my flesh, that we should serve somebody else in newness of spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. So I no longer serve, so I can serve. Does that make sense? I've been made free from slavery so that I can be a servant of the Most High God. We learned all that when we went through Romans 6 and 7. Go to First Thessalonians. I got some scriptures for you this morning, just some comparisons. First Thessalonians, chapter one and verse 9. First <clears throat> Thessalonians. Almost to the end, but if you get to Hebrews, gone too far, if you've gone to Revelation, you've definitely gone too far. First Thessalonians chapter one and verse nine, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. What it was like to meet Paul would have been awesome. But at the same time, it would have been a big letdown (laughs) because it wasn't his presence, it wasn't his voice or his capability of holding your attention. It was the, the life of prayer he had, the power, that he had in preaching, in just driving home the truth. He said, people will tell you the kind of way we had with other people, he says, and how, and he says, our effect on you was this, the church of Thessalonica. He says, how that ye turned to God from idols. Why? To now serve the living and true God. I'm here to tell you, before you got saved, you served dumb idols. You served the, the, the media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok. You became servants of that stuff. You say, what do you mean? <laughs> You're on it for six hours a day. Who controlled you? You didn't control it. That thing, every time you chant, I mean, the toilet has become our library, amen? We just sit there on that phone. It controls us. You worry about what do people say? I put up a, uh, put up a picture. I wonder how many people liked it. You become a servant of dumb idols. And when you get saved, the, design, the, the change is they're not the real God. They're not the boss of my life. They don't control my life. I need to serve the Lord. Go to Romans, back to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 11. Romans chapter 12 and verse 11. not softful in business, fervent in spirit, serving who? Serving the Lord. That's my life. Now, I know we talk about if you ever worked for an employer, and as soon as you clocked in, you know what your boss wanted you to do? Work. Do what needed to be done and do it with fervor, do it with excitement. But who is this talking about? The Christian. And what we do for the Lord we should do with all our heart and we should serve Him. It comes from comes from Matthew chapter 20. Go back to the left, find Matthew. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 25. Matthew 20, 25. But Jesus called them, his disciples, unto him and said, you know that the princes, oh, those are the big muckety-mucks high up in the Gentiles, they exercise dominion over them, over their people. And They that are great exercise authority upon them, but it shall not be so among you as Christians. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, you know what that word chief is in Irish? Taoiseach. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your, yeah, let him be your servant. Even as the son of man, Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You know what the truth is? We all were saved to serve the Lord, and there are no exceptions. There are none. You say, Pastor, you're doing fine. You just keep preaching. Pastor, you're doing fine. You just keep setting up church. Pastor, you do fine. You just you just keep working for the Lord. I'm I'm busy working for my boss. I'm busy working for my husband, for my kids. You can't do that if you're saved. You're saved to serve the Lord. Every one of us. Now it doesn't mean that you have to preach or you have to do everything I do or whatever, but you got to do something. Can you nod your head? Every one of us who are born again has to do something for the Lord. As we look into 2024, what are you going to do? What what are you going to do? Now, we usually serve the wrong masters. Back there in Romans chapter 16, go there to the right. Romans chapter 16 and verse 17. Romans 16, 17 says, now I beseech you, brethren, I'm begging you. And he uses that phrase several times. I beseech you, brethren, mark them, identify them, notice them. That cause what? Better watch about an argumentative critical spirit because they will cause divisions, won't they? says mark them. I lost my place there, which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Just stay away from them. For they that are such, notice your words, they serve not the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not helping you out by trying to point out all the problems. They serve not the Lord Jesus Christ, but they serve their own what? They're only thinking about their own belly and what they're going to get as an advantage off of you. And by good words and fair speeches and fancy YouTubes, can I add, they will deceive the hearts of the simple. You know, the truth is, we usually serve the wrong masters. Galatians 4 8, don't go there. I'll just read it. It says, Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. You know, before you got saved, you actually served false gods. Titus 3 3 says this For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish before we got saved, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts. And pleasures, that's, that's our culture. Our culture is if you're hungry, you obey your stomach. If you're tired, you obey your pillow. If you don't want to go to work, you find a way out of work. You serve pleasures and you serve diverse lusts. If something comes to your head and you want to look at it, you go do it. That's our culture. That's our nature here in the 20th. 21st century. And before you got saved, that's how you lived. That ought not to be how you live now. Amen. Living in malice and envy, hateful and hating. One the Think about all the time and money you spent on drinking drugs before you got saved. Think about that. Think about how much money you spent on entertainment and videos, on your friends and on college, doing everything that everyone else said to us was needed to be happy. You know what the truth is? If you ever, ever struggle with addiction, you are a servant of that drug or that drink. The pub owned you. They never loved you, never cared about you. Some of you have worked yourself to death for a company only to be left, uh, laid off or fired. Many a mom and dad have worn themselves out serving their kids who've broken their heart serve the wrong master we serve the wrong masters far too much I wish you knew the joy of just serving the Lord Jesus that doesn't mean you don't serve your kids you don't serve your boss you don't serve in church you know but but you whatever you do you do it in service of God see we're on now take your Bible turn to first Timothy first uh, Corinthians you're just one more page if you go to first Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians 6 in verse 18. Craig Ledbetter is under new management. I used to be, I used to think I was in charge of my life when I was somewhere around 14, 15, I don't know when it was. I got the idea to grow my hair. And so longer and longer and longer it got, and then I'd get it trimmed or whatever, but I I loved growing it out. Because my dad always wanted me to have short hair. And so I just wanted to have the opposite. Why? Because I'm my own man. Really, I just wanted to look like my friends. But I thought I was my own man, you know. And uh, um, when 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 I got saved, no longer did my friends tell me how to wear my hair. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I never went to a barber after I was about 13 years old um, because, you know, uh, uh, only, only guys with short hair would go to the barber. So, you know, you found me for about three years of my life. I went to the beauty salon to get them to do my hair and to cut it and to trim it and stuff. And that's embarrassing to say, but I'm going to tell you this. I never once thought about what am I doing in this stupid place? I couldn't bring myself to go get a proper haircut until I got saved. And then my pastor, when I wanted to join the choir, I said, can I join the choir? He's looking at this guy and he says, as soon as you get a haircut. So guess where I went? I went to the barber. And I sat down there with fear and trepidation as he put that bib around me and he pulled out those big um, uh, hedge cutters, you know. (laughs) And he smiled and he said, you really want it all cut off and made a real nice haircut? I said, yes, sir, just I'm not gonna watch. And he cut it all off. It was scary. But you see, I was under new management. If my pastor told me that I needed to get a haircut, you know what? I didn't think he was being abusive. He just wanted me to look like a man. Amen. And you know what I did? I said, yes, sir. And I went, I got it cut. The next week, I said, can I join the choir? He says, get on up here. Amen. i just brand new saved. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to live the Christian life. I just, I just, if somebody said, let's do this. I said, I had a guy show up. I could give you an invitation. Uh, uh, right, he, right after church, one Sunday morning, he came to me and said, what are you doing on Saturday? I said, nothing. I'm 17 years old. I'm nothing really. I'm not working this Saturday. He said, "Good. I'll meet you here at 9:30. We're going out visiting." I said, "Great. What's that?" <laughs> and we went and we went door knocking and inviting kids to come out for Sunday school. And I started doing visiting. Why would I do that? Because I just, if somebody had something to do, and if they said it was something that we ought to do, I just did it. Because I was under new management. Amen. Look at your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18. Your Bible says this, flee what? What is it? Flee fornication. Nice word, isn't it? You know what fornication is? It's me living for myself. It's me seeking sexual pleasures for myself, doing it outside of marriage, doing what the world does. It says flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body outside of the body, but he that committed fornication actually is sinning against his own body. What? Paul asks the Corinthians. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you now, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, what should we do? Glorify God with that same body I used to glorify rock music with, and I used to glorify all my friends with. I now glorify God with my body and in my spirit, which belong to God. So I'm bought with a price just like you are, a very high price. Jesus freed me from death and sin and hell, and he deserves nothing less than my life. You say, well, I'll give a few bob in the tithe. He doesn't want your money. He wants you, and he bought you. Therefore, I should glorify God every minute of my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a quick, easy Pattern or or um, ingredients for serving the Lord. Three things you need to serve the Lord. Number one, humility. Number two, a choice. And number three, commitment. Go to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. Right after the book of Deuteronomy comes Joshua. Chapter 24, powerful scripture. And verse 15 are oh, you going there. i will to talk about humility for a second there. Because humility, if you're going to be a servant, becoming a servant is not, be, is not about becoming great. It's becoming invisible. That's what a servant does. You know what a good servant, a good servant, a good waiter or waitress is not in your way, is not hovering over you, but they're there. And a good servant is invisible, letting you get on with your life. And you see, I want God to do his will. I want his kingdom to be worked. And I just want to be invisible. I don't want to get any attention except, what do I do next? Watch this. That's humility. But look at chapter 24, verse 15. Now, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. Now, some people think, well, you're asking too much. Well, Okay. Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Make a choice. Maybe you want to serve the gods which your fathers served, which are on the other side of the flood. They had just crossed the Jordan River a few years earlier, and it had flooded, and yet they walked right through on dry land. If you want, you can go back to the old Egyptian gods. You can serve the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or you can serve the gods of the Amorites. There's plenty of options in whose land you now dwell. But Joshua, what does he say? But as for me and my house, what does he say? I, I, I think you ought to say, we will love the Lord. That's a good thing to say, amen. Should we love God? Do you know the proof of your love? That you'll serve him. We will serve the Lord. You know what's cute? Look down at verse 24. After Joshua finishes his encouragement, verse 24, listen to the response. And the people said back unto Joshua, the Lord our God will We serve, and his voice will we obey. That's a choice. But there's that other word there called commitment. Go to Daniel. Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. If you find Ezekiel, go to the next book after Ezekiel and find Daniel chapter 3. I love this passage. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 14 says this. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is a bad dude. He thinks he's king of the universe. He thinks he can just control everybody and get everybody to do his will. And he just says, you know, I got my gods over here, and I want you to worship and to serve my gods. Do what my gods say to you. And listen to what he says in verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, and who are the them? Anybody remember? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego he spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Well, if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, he's going to use music, flute and harp and sackbut, psaltery and dulcimer and all kinds of music, if ye fall down and worship the image which I have made, well, good. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery Furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, facing that fire, knowing they were standing up to the ruler of the world. And they said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. We are not worried about what we're about to say. If it be so, our God, whom we circle the next word. Sir, uh, he is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. You will not win. But if not, if he lets us die in that furnace, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. What are they saying? We made a commitment when we were younger. And these are only three teenage boys. We made a commitment when we were younger that we we're going to serve the Lord and we don't care the pressure you put on us. We will not stop. We will not bow for another uh, uh, power or another God. Many a young man in this room, sitting here going through um, uh, uh, secondary school and getting ready for college, you're all on fire, you're excited about God, you're reading your Bible and you get into college and in two years you're out of church and you're living with a girlfriend and you've fallen. You have bowed the knee to another God or goddess. You know what you need if you're going to serve the Lord? Commitment. That you say, no matter how hard it gets, no matter what pressure I get on from work or, or parents or family or, or anybody, I'm going to serve the Lord. Because that'll keep you sane. That'll keep you together with your family. That'll keep this church strong when we have commitment. And we forget that. Because anybody can make a decision. It's keeping it. Amen. Truly, a servant's life is the best life. I'm just going to remind you, just for time, Jesus, the one piece of cloth clothing he had, he took off and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And then he got down on his knees with a basin and he washed every one of his disciples, including Judas's feet. He washed their feet. And they're sitting there gobsmacked looking at him. I mean, their feet. These, these guys walked everywhere. And he took off their sandals And he washed their feet with that towel that he's wearing. It's getting filthy. And then he stands up to all of them and he says, did you see what I just did to you? (laughs) And they're all like, we don't understand. He says, I am your Lord and master, and that is right. But I have washed your feet. And as I have done to you, you do to one another. You do that. If I, your Lord, have washed your feet, you better wash each other's feet. Amen. You see, he ends the statement. He says, Happy are ye if you do it. There's many a Christian who come in here discouraged, defeated. They'll sit down. They haven't read their Bible in weeks. They've gone through hell on earth. They've just heck, can't they can't go another step. And they just wonder where's the joy? And I'm gonna tell you where your joy is trying to be a blessing to just one other person. Getting down and washing somebody's feet, you will find joy. Your problem doesn't disappear, but the Lord lifts your load so that you can help somebody else. That is the key to the spiritual Christian life of walking in the Spirit, where you serve instead of become sour and bitter and depressed, and you just die. Serving life is the best life. First Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight says this. <sighs> mm. How does it go? Somebody help me. Finally, brethren, what service? No. No, no. Am I right? First Corinthians 15, 58. You're probably right and I can't remember. Therefore, my beloved brethren. <laughs> Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. There's your commitment. Unmovable. There's commitment. Always abounding in the work of. Ah. Huh. So I should abundantly be doing more and more for the Lord. No... Uh, abundantly <laughs> let me start over um uh, therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast and movable always abounding in the work of the lord you say was that for pastors only not on your life it's for everybody whether your mom dad sister brother the only one them that's this is the dog amen uh always abounding in the work of the lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the lord It's the best life. And and let me get some testimonies. Let's see. Can I, um, uh, Tony, can I get you up here? I'll put you up first Maybe we were talking about. Just talk about serving in the 12 weeks to freedom and the 12 steps out. Just very briefly, just say how easy it's been. Just for two minutes, you're all right.
1: Um, I'm here since 2002, um, I came, my background was addiction, and um, <clears throat> when I came here, I wasn't looking to be uh, made free from addiction, I was looking for God, the program that I was on, uh, step three in that program said that I would hand my will and my life over to of God as I understood him, and I didn't, so <laughs> I went looking for God, but God came looking for me and he brought me out here to this church out here, and <clears throat> the first time. I heard a pastor preaching. Uh, He he preached a message on addiction. He said that um, alcoholism was not a disease, that it was sin. And uh, he said, if it was a disease, it's the only disease I know that you can bring home in a brown paper bag. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that kind of upset me a bit because I, I thought I knew what there was to be known about addiction. I didn't come out here to find out about addiction. I came out to find out about God. But that was my foundation. And when he preached that message, he shattered my foundation. <clears throat> and um, I was, I, you know, I'd lost my, my footing, if you like, in, in the group that I was in. And I needed something new. But What i done was it prepared a way for me to get saved. <clears throat> and I, on the 9th of January, um, I realized that I was a sinner and that I was on my way to hell and um, <clears throat> that I needed to get saved. And from the moment I got saved, It kind of relieved the pressure that was on the inside. The struggle that was going on. I noticed that um, that was different. Um, I wasn't struggling with alcohol addiction anymore. And I was uh, attending the group that I was attending. I noticed that um, they seemed to be stuck. And I wanted to move forward. So there was a there was a kind of a, a tug between the two. I needed to make a decision. I stayed with the group for six months. And I kept watching my own behavior or my own tendencies not to go back drinking or to go back drinking or that struggle kind of had left. I just wondered, was it going to stay away? And it did. So I made a decision to come over here to the church and to swing on this trapeze, if you like, and let go of the other one. And that was my freedom. Uh, There was a verse in the Bible, Galatians 5.1, which said, um, Stand fast therefore in the liberty where Christ had made you free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. So that's what happened. I was made free. And <clears throat> when I realized that like, that, I was free, I realized that, you know, I had to pass that message on to other people. So that's basically how I got into ministry here. Um, pastor pushed me in the right direction and a guy called Leighton Kelly turned up on the scene and I saw that what he was doing so. I felt a kind of uh, a draw to uh, tell other people about the freedom that you can have in in Jesus Christ. But there were difficulties because as you can notice, I'm not exactly very comfortable standing up in front of people talking to them, you know, and that's that's part of the ministry. You have to get over it or go through it or whatever. Um, I still struggle with that. But also dealing with people is a big thing, you know, because you're dealing with people and their, their problems. You may have freedom, but you're trying to explain to them you know what the difference is between sin and addiction. Uh, you're trying to explain to them that um, your problem is sin. It's, it's, it's you know, you, the answer to your problem is not through self-help, but it's through Jesus Christ. He'll make you free. And that's a quite a difficult thing to do, plus the fact that you're dealing with people that have preset ideas of what's right and what's wrong. Um, And you have to try and minister to them. So you have to try and understand where they're coming from. But one of the things you've got to learn here (coughs) is we're studying the book of James at the moment. you know. And if you're going through all these trials, there's an unseen value in those trials. And God is working on you as you're working on others. And God is helping you and changing you to help others. And I think that's where the growth comes from. It's true. Just walking your way through trials and trying to help people. So, we've been running an addictions program here since uh, 2006. Mm. And um, <clears throat> COVID hit, hit us fairly heavy. It hit me personally fairly heavy. And um, the end of COVID, there was no one left in the group. Mm-hmm. And I turned up for the last two meetings on my own here, you know. And I, I said to myself, maybe that's the end of the, the addictions program here. We've come July. And uh, we got a phone call from pastor to help somebody. And from that, it has come on. We have a couple of people in the group now. So we started up again on the 21st of July last. And uh, we finished just before Christmas. Um, and it kind of renewed my, my commitment again to, 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 to keep going forward. But I've been struggling with it. And I have, you know, I've still been struggling with this. But um, I have a feeling now that maybe 2024 would be the start again of another new program. And um, ministering to the addicted again. So that's my testimony.
0: Thank you. I could probably get, I, I, and there were some other people I'd asked to give their testimony, but for time, I'm just going to say, um, anybody that actually gets to do something at church, whether it's playing the piano, and there are people who are unsung heroes that come in and Hoover and clean and take the rubbish out every week. They do that without you knowing about it. That's serving the Lord because you're doing it for the benefit of somebody else and for his honor and glory. What would would it be like if every week you came in and it was just trash like it's left every Sunday? (laughs) It would be awful. So it's nice that people serve. And I I have Tony because he has faithfully gone through the ups and downs, and it's hard. Serving the Lord is going against the, the grain, going against the world, going against the flesh. But as I said, you'll never be happier because the fruit is not not your fruit, it's what the Lord did through you. And it just is so rewarding that, you know, as long as he's pleased, I don't care if nobody shows up. And I said this to my wife, we started the church. We've never had a church service where there was nobody there, but I was prepared. I, I came to church, I was ready. I was gonna preach as if a thousand of you showed up. And if nobody did, I was ready and I was going to do my best. And that's how you serve the Lord, you don't go by the weather, amen. And you don't go by popularity. We are a church body in First Corinthians chapter 12. I wish I had time, but I'm going to try to finish up. We are part of a body. It says, um, uh, it compares the body to the eyes and to the feet, to the mouth, to the hands, and it says that's what a church is, just like. Uh, we each are a member of the body of Christ, like that thumb is a member of my body, like my right foot is a member. I have feet and toes and uh, a nose and uh, a chin. I have eyes and ears and hair. And, and um, you know, there are parts of your body like your skin that you don't realize how vital and important your skin is. And the little hairs on your skin, they are very important. And so also is every one of us. We may not be the mouth, maybe you're the heart, maybe your hands, maybe you're the brain. Maybe you're the broad shoulders of this body that can carry other people's weights and their burdens. Maybe you're an ear. The point is this. We are more than a community. See, a lot of people call a church a community. That's a gathering of people. No, we are a body of believers. We are linked together by Christ. We minister one to another first. This is the training ground of how to minister to the world, how to be a light among the world. This is where we first take care of family. And we do it all as unto the Lord. Take your Bible, turn to Colossians in chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, chapter 3 and verse 22. Colossians, chapter 3 and verse 22. Look at the first word. He's talking to all of us. Servants. Now, he's particularly talking to people who are like employees. But the word fits. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Wow. Wow. Why should I do what my boss tells? Why should I come in when he says come in or she? Why do I have to do it his way? Because God says it. Because you're serving the Lord. Do you see the connection? You serve your employer because you're actually serving the Lord. He says, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, as if to say, not only when they're watching, as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, one heart, fearing God, and whatsoever ye do, do it how? not grudgingly, but heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve, not your employer, not your husband, not your kids, not even yourself. You serve the Lord Christ. Serve one another as if you were serving the Lord Jesus. I would wonder what our homes would be like if every husband and every wife treated each other like they treated Jesus. Men would not know what to do with a wife like that. And women would lose their minds having a husband who actually treated her like he should treat Jesus Christ. I wonder if kids have a dad or a mom who's not saved if they honored them like they're supposed to honor Jesus Christ. I wonder if our boss would be so Upsetted us for our work if they always saw us doing our best, fervently serving them and treating them and honoring them and not back-talking them and not talking bad about them behind their back, but honoring them at work as if they were the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if we would save a lot of marriages. I wonder if we would save a lot of relationships. Serve one another as if you were serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Do everything for his glory. I mean... Wouldn't it be wonderful to actually just do it so God gets the honor, not you? You're just invisible. You're just serving. It's very reasonable. It's our reasonable service. So um, what do we need to do in 2024? How do we be faithful, consistent, passionate service to the Lord? Well, Let me tell you what we're going to try to do in 2024. We're going to start to save seriously for a new building. Because I want to grow. I don't want us to sit and just get squished and more squished. That's what we need to do. We can't just sit and wait for another building to open up. We need to go looking for it. We need to save for it. We need to start using our abilities to prepare to move and to get a better building. What else do we need to do? Hey, I'm 61 years old this year, but this church has plenty of young people in it with strength and faith. And we do not need to slow down like I do. <laughs> we need to influence our this generation with the gospel. Uh, I got saved in 1980. That generation is gone, basically we got to reach this generation. We've got to go after them. We've got to give them the same gospel, the same work, but we got to do it with a new heart, with, with new drive. Don't give up. Let me show you a glimpse of opportunities where you could just do something for the Lord in this coming year. So it's our 30th anniversary as a church. 30 years ago, my wife and I and four of our kids, Sarah hadn't been born yet, gathered out in, in in Blarney and put up a big sign and waited for somebody to show up because I had invited 50 people to come. I had spent six months working names and people going door to door and I found 50 people who'd say, yeah, I might come. Two showed up. But we had church. And that was the 4th of June, 1994. And we've been going at it ever since then, amen? Kind of like, Getting married, starting off, not knowing what you're getting into, and you're staying at it, amen, after 44 years. We're going to celebrate 30 years of God's amazing grace. Uh, We have a men's camp coming up. We're going to study a guy named Gideon. Gideon doesn't know how courageous he is, and I'm calling it untapped valor. I don't know if there's a better phrase for it, but God's going to reveal the kind of courage that Gideon has and going to make a great man of faith. By him. That's going to be in April. Uh, youth camp. Cancelled. <laughs> because we're going to do a church camp. We're all going to go away for three days to, I'm calling it a three stars, probably not a one star, but it's got four poster beds. It's got a great kitchen. It's going to be fun. We're all going to get away for three days. We're going to have fun, like for the teens and for the kids But it's going to be family time, church family camp. We haven't done it since 2009. That's a long time. It's time for us to do it again as a church. So we're going up. It's a little place called Castle Daily. It's absolutely beautiful, about three hours away. Don't worry. But we're going to plan for that. Uh, We're going to follow the adventures of Captain Fork. He's a bad man who's going to learn some good news from the Bible. And uh, that's our Children's Summer Bible Club in August and looking forward to that Captain Fork. He 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 finds it much better to have a fork on the end of his hand instead of a hook. And so you'll find out why at, the, at, uh, anyway, <coughs> at camp. Bible Club. Uh, there's a whole lot more, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you ought to get our um, uh, church calendar and see all the things. Um, we need to build a boat. I was already talking to a couple different guys for the... For the uh, Bible Club, but we're also gonna need the boat for Patrick's Day Parade. We're gonna have to have one of you be Captain Fork. You know why pirates are so angry? Anyone know? They just are. <laughs> one of you is gonna have to just prove it. Amen. All right. What are you gonna try to do? What could you do? Maybe you could carry the gospel to somebody new every day. Maybe you could start going out soul winning on Saturdays with us or going to Cork City on Fridays. Maybe you get involved with the music of the church. Wasn't the, wasn't the kids singing? Wasn't that marvelous this morning? You know, your voice could do some marvels as well. We have an ensemble. You ought to join that. Maybe you should take up the ministry of prayer for your pastor and for the people in this room by name. Maybe you could join the welcome ministry. I love our... You know, when people come in, I know there's 47 people right at the door. But, folks, let me tell you, it, it feels good to come to some place where people are glad you're here. Where somebody says, "Let me get you a cup of tea." Join a ministry where you're just encouraging all week long. They just been beat up, and when they come to church, they are loved. That's the welcome ministry. Now, you can help me go visit some people, encourage people who haven't. Felt like coming to church in a while. Hmm. Maybe you could study and help teach the Bible and disciple new believers. Maybe you could help out in children's church as a helper and a teacher doing crafts and puppets. You could help me during the week plan uh, all the things that we do every year. I do not know how to do what we do. I just get all the people together Says this is what we got to do. And we put it all together and it just works. You could be a big help doing that. You could work... Back there and the multimedia and the website giving ideas because we do have an influence. There are people all over the world who watch this ministry. Amen. Help me clean this church. There are guys who come in during the week but on Saturday night I get here at 6.30 every Saturday night and do the final cleaning, hoovering up because it always gets dirty. Straighten up the chairs so we have church on Sunday. Make sure you minister to one another. Make sure you just realize there are people in this room who you were saved to serve and to minister to. Some of you are so gifted. Some of you have the ability. I mean, Brother Tony, there are some people who are so able to get up and speak, but they're not doing it. So God says, Tony, it's it's your turn. And that's how we do it. But wouldn't it be nice if you actually could do something that you did it? The person in this room who's only a spectator and been at church, you've been set here and you've listened to me preach week after week. Remember this. Jesus did not just sit in the heavens while this world went to hell, did he? He got up and he took on the form of a servant. He came down here. And you know what? If you ever do serve, you will be misunderstood. You will not be appreciated. You will be abused. You will be hurt. You'll be abandoned like Jesus was. But one day you'll walk into heaven, the Lord will say, well done, thou good and faithful. So don't just sit there. The point is, he sacrificed his own life to save you and me who are unworthy. In a time that you accepted his life for yours, except what he did as forgiveness. Because he died to save you. Have you let him do it? Say, How do I do it? Just ask him. Would you stand with me and bow your head in prayer? And just in this moment, just all you have to do is understanding that Jesus Christ came to this world to save a wretch like you and like me. But he waits for you to ask, waits for you to cry out and say, God, if you really want me, if you really did all that for me, if you have been doing all this for me all my life and I have never once really Let it hit me until now. I now surrender. And I now ask you to save me. I prayed a very simple prayer. It's not the words you pray. It's the heart you have of God. I trust you. And I want to follow your son. And from that moment, you are changed. And I pray with all my heart that you start to serve. And if you're saved now 30 years and you haven't started serving God, today's the day you need to decide. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what it's gonna cost me to do it, but I'm gonna do something for the Lord in 2024. Father, as we bow in prayer, I just commend this message to your people. And that 2024 would not be a year of just a few of us getting excited and continuing to serve, but that every member of this church, every person in this church, every part of the body of Christ in this church would get busy carrying, caring, helping, teaching, learning, doing our worship instead of just having it. Lord, if there's somebody in here who's not saved, I pray they get saved. I pray they already got saved. Now this morning, they decided, I will follow Jesus, and I'm going to live for him. And we just pray this in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Grab your